England are now ODI and T20I champions, thanks to a win over Pakistan in the T20 World Cup 2022 today. What made it more of a special win was the fact that they didn't even have two of their key players who had been playing in all the group stages and the semi-finals, well, actually, they didn't play in the semis, but in the group stages, uh, who were Dal Milan and Mark Wood. They had both been significant for England over the last year or two and and in the, uh, and more, but uh, they were both um, out of the match due to fitness concerns, so replacements had to be brought in. So Dal Milan was replaced by Phil Salt, Mark Wood was replaced by Chris Jordan, and you know, England, England, you could say we're looking like a, a weaker team against a, a Pakistan team that were close to full strength. But in the end, it was a nervy game full of twists and turns. And we're going to share our thoughts about how it went, as well as the future of, of English cricket in, in different formats and, and you know, the future of these players as well, looking into 2023, where we've got ODI World Cup and the, the Test Championship as well. So let's get started. Zaid, what do you what did you make of it of this match of the T Twenty World Cup final? How, how did you feel it went overall? Yeah, as usual, it's a very it's always very exciting watching big games, big finals, semi finals, whatever it is. And I guess once again, it's becoming a trend now. You know, we see loads of low scoring encounters. In in because we haven't really seen many high scoring finals in a while now, so it's been you know really good. Um, I think you know. I really enjoyed watching it. Um, you know, Pakistan, they they bad first, and they scored you know, one thirty seven for eight. So it's you know not the best score, quite far under par. But you know that that still proved you know didn't, England didn't easily go, get over the line. They had they stumbled along the way. They started quite well, um, you know, good power play. But then in the middle overs, Pakistan you know, found their line and length and bowled really well. And they fielded really well as well. So I think all credit to Pakistan because you know they showed a lot. They showed so much desperation and so much effort uh, to you know try and save the game and try and win it. So all credit to them. But yeah, England did end up winning um, by five wickets, and they had one over to go. So yeah, it was a really good, really good low scoring encounter. Yeah, you can look at things matches like 2019 as well. Uh, the 2019 World Cup final that was a, a low scoring thriller. England scored, uh, sorry, New Zealand scored 242, I think it was, and England chased that down uh, after, and then threw a super over, and then even after that, boundary count was such a, uh, a hectic game. But um, in, in this match, I think the one con- you know, the consistency between both teams was the fact that both teams had incredible bowlers and bowled very well. You know, both teams had two two of the best bowling sides in this World Cup, I'd say, and. Um, Quite different, you know, bowling teams. You know, Pakistan with all out pace, you know, four bowlers who can hit 90 miles an hour uh, and, you know, different characteristics. Whereas England have just got more variation, more uh, just, they're, they're more of a type of team that just squeezes and controls the team from, from ball one. So, yeah, first, you know, first innings, England bowling, Pakistan batting. You know, Pakistan only scored around 40 runs, I think 39 in the end in, in the power play. And, you know, if you're scoring 39 off the first six overs where you've got fielding restrictions, which mean that only two fielders are allowed outside the, the circle, Zaid, do you, you know, well, how does that set up your innings? You know, how, how do you think as a, you know, looking to progress in, in the middle overs and then uh, towards the end, only scoring 39 runs in the power play, how, how does that lead? You know, what does that lead you to? Yeah, it's a nervy start. We've seen it, you know, it's happened quite a lot actually throughout the tournament. We've seen teams that bat fairly slowly at the start. And the problem with that is, you know, it, it puts pressure on your middle order because you might have two openers that, 
or, or your top order that, you know, bat fairly slowly, six, seven runs and over at the start, and then suddenly they get out, and now you've got the middle order uh, who want to get a move on, but then they're seeing that the run rate's pretty slow, so they need to stay in as well, and it puts lots of pressure on them. And I think that's sort of what happened to Pakistan in this game. You know, England really didn't let them off the hook at all uh, throughout the innings. I, I mean, there, there might have been a couple of periods where Pakistan were looking good, but, yeah, I, I mean... Because, you know, Barbarazm and Rizwan, a huge combination for a while now for Pakistan, really important combination. They they had an all right start. Um, but I think a few more runs or, you know, maybe a quicker run rate would have been useful because it sets up the game, it sets up the innings quite, um, I guess, concerning for the middle order. Look, it puts them under lots of pressure. And the problem with Pakistan, they don't have the strongest middle order. It's really their top order that um, is really is, are, are the main batsmen, and they sort of rely on the top order hugely. Um, you know, they are strengthening the middle order a bit more now. Uh, with someone like Harris at number three now, you know, Shan Masood, all these players. But I think overall, you really, especially in a final, you really to get off to a good start because if they if they gone off to a good start with uh, Baba and Rizwan, then they would have looked brilliant, you know, going into the middle middle overs and looking to the death. So. Overall, I think it was it wasn't the best of starts, and they should. It just put I think the middle order put them under lots of pressure, and that's why they continued losing wickets and never really got to a big score. Yeah, Pakistan themselves don't exactly have a clear way of playing as such. That what I mean by that is that we know how they're going to bowl, but when they bat, if you look at England, for example, we know they're going to go out hard in the power play. You know, we know they're going to, if they're chasing, they're going to try and, you know, score 60, 70 runs in the power play just to make their lives a lot easier. And they will slow down eventually, obviously. Um, they, they didn't slow down against India uh, in the semifinals. They could score 10 runs and over for 16 overs. But, you know, against most te- teams, if they're bowling well, England will have to slow down. But I think that, yeah, and India, India actually an opposite team. They, you know, Kael Rahul and Roach Sharma, partly due to form and partly due to the fact that they're quite slow batsmen, you know, really start India off like slowly, run a ball for like five overs until one of them gets out and then the other has to kick on a bit. And then the uh, Virat Kohli, Suryat Kumar have come in and really kick on. So I think um, you can do it either way, but Pakistan has just been in the middle, really. They, they've sort of started slowly because England bowled well. And, you know, that's, you know, credit to people like Sam Curran, Ben Stokes, Chris Wokes, you know, at the top. But then just not being able to really push. And it's because England are taking wickets, you know, that, that when, when you lose a wicket, you, you have to, the new batsman has to take a three or four, three or four balls just to, you know, to, to make sure they're comfortable and then start scoring runs. For me, I think the only person who I, I thought could actually take the game away from England, potentially, was Sean Massoud. He's saw 38 off 28. You know, he he was he's been he got called up for the Pakistan England series as well, like before the World Cup, and then you know he's relatively relatively less experienced, I think, in T Twenty formats. How, how do you think he is at, at number four? Do you think uh, do you think there's anything more he could have done? You know, do, do you think he was going about going about it the right way? What do you feel about Sham Sood? Yeah, I, I think he bowed pretty well uh, today. Uh, you know, especially that Livingston over where he took him on. I think that was straight after the halfway stage where clearly you could tell that the Pakistan had a chat that they need to start going and they need to get a move on, you know, attack maybe a bowler, which ended up being limited. I think Shamsu did that brilliantly. Unfortunately, he did get out. I think maybe 
he could have pressed on a bit longer, but that's not taking away anything from him. I think he, you know, 38 uh, off 26, still, still good, good score from him and good, pretty good strike rate. So I think, you know, a little bit more support from other batsmen around him would have been helpful. I think, you know, Babarazam, he, he batted pretty well. Um, fortunately, this one, he, he didn't get a move on really. But, you know, the, I think Sean Masood, uh, he's really you know, proved like a, he's, he's, he's really, Putting, um, he's strengthening that middle order, which, as I said, has been weak, uh, recently. So looking to the future, I think it's looking pretty good. Um, but yeah, overall, I think Sean Masood he batted pretty well today, um, and he's a he's a key, um, he's a key asset for Pakistan because you know they don't have the, the strongest middle order, high or low middle order. So at number four, cementing his position number three, four, or whatever it is. You know, he he will be a vital asset looking to the future. So I think he bowed quite well today, and I'm I'm excited to see him bat in the future. Yeah, I think that. See, as you said, you know they didn't. Um, Pakistan Shran Masood didn't exactly have anyone supporting him, but that's obviously because England took key wickets and they took wickets regularly. They didn't. They kept up the pressure, and. I think that, um, you know, th- we need to give, obviously, give credit to England and give credit to Adil Rashid, you know, I think two for 22 or four, you know, getting the key wicket of Barbara Azam, who, who scored a, a runnable 30, I think, something around that. So he was also looking quite set to, to really hit off. And, yeah, I think, uh, you know, Adil Rashid, what, with, with, what did you think really made him, you know, Made made the Pakistan batsmen struggle to hit against him. Considering at the start of the World Cup, other teams teams are worse than Pakistan in batting sense. Actually, were scoring quite quickly off of them, and so and Pakistan themselves in in the in the um the series uh, against England before the World Cup were scoring quite a lot of runs off of him as well. Yeah, uh, I I put it down to two reasons. I think the first one, the main one, would be he used the conditions quite well. The pitch he used quite well. Because it was a pretty, you know, there was there was plenty in it for the seamers, plenty of movement, um, plenty of bounce, but there was just quite a lot of turn on in the pitch. So he used that quite well because he bowled a bit a little bit, a little bit slower, uh, you know, much slower than Shalab Khan, uh, which made him much more, uh, much more of a threat to the batsman. And the other reason I'd say is he bowled his googly really well, um, and that's obviously what caught out Barbarazam. He he just couldn't pick it, and um, I think. You know, uh, Adil Rashid, his googly, um, is his sort of main weapon. Is a really key weapon. I think you know the, um, that ball it was a beauty uh, to Barbaraz. I mean, he just couldn't pick it. I think he hides his googly quite well, um, and also just control. He's he's sort of developed over the tournament. I think at the beginning he was sort struggling to get his consistency correct. Um, but then, as the tournament progressed, you know he he got better, and now it look, it's looking like his consistency is looking really good. So, you know, any questions that were raised against him, you know, I think he's sort of proven proven a huge point there because he pulled absolutely amazingly you know, two for twenty two um, in in a World Cup final. It, it is a stunning performance. So, I think I, I put it down to those two reasons why he's looking so good now. Yeah, and not not only him, Sam Curran's three for twelve or four, even better figures. And the thing with Sam Curran is we've spoken a lot about him, but it, for me, it's his variation. You know, I, I was I was looking at three three main types of uh, deliveries that he bowled is the wobble seam, which goes across the right hander. You've got the off cutter, which you know 
when it hits the hits the surface, you know, deviates slightly into the right hander, and then you've got the in swinger, which is obviously is a lot of late and sharp swing. So, uh, and the thing is, is that you know you've got let's just say he's trying to get it to to come back into the to the right hander. You've got two. You can either go the off cutter or the in swinger, but they're they're slightly different because the off cutter is just a little bit, and it and it it does a bit, and you can use. The batsman himself can try and guide the ball, whereas the in-swing is sharper. So, you know, even there, you've just got so much variation that it's just easy to catch the batsman out and it keeps them unsettled. And I think no Pakistan batsman really looked like they could control Sam Curran's deliveries and, uh, you know, manoeuvre them well. So that was credit to Sam Curran. Um, but yeah, looking at uh, Pakistan's bowling themselves, obviously they've got their bowling attack has considerably high amount of pace in it. So they did well in the power play. They took three wickets, but... England was scoring a higher run rate. I think they scored only 50 off the power play, uh, which um, just which made uh, life a lot easier. Considering they're only chasing 138 and they need to score at seven and over, the 50 in the power play is more than enough. Uh, so, you know, then the three wickets lost, I think, were Butler's, Hale and, Hales and Salt. Am I right? Yeah, yeah I think it was those three. Uh, yeah, they, they, I mean, they're bad. Well, uh, it's a good start for England, but yeah, those are the three that got out of the power play. Yeah, how, what do you think about Salt? You know, this is his first first real, well, first innings in the in the um in the World Cup because Hales has t- took his opening spot and Milan was playing until Milan was fine until then. Um, obviously, last in semi final, he didn't have to bat because Hales and Butler won in the match. They didn't lose a single wicket. So, um, you know, what do you think about Salt's first innings in the World Cup? Yeah, he was looking all right. He, he was, it was it was a decent start. He played, I think it was a really nice flick shot. Um, I think can't remember who bowled it, but it, it was down leg. So it was I mean it was on, on his pad. So he played a really nice shot there. Um, and then he you know, the way he got out, he hit it straight to he tried to take on the short ball and hit it straight to mid wicket, and he got caught. See, it's not a bad option, but I think. He just sort of got a bit carried away because they had enough runs in the power play. It was a good approach from England to go hard in the power play, even though they lost wickets. It, it, it didn't really matter because they're not chasing a huge score and they have batsmen coming. But with Phil Salt, I think he got a little bit too carried away um, and tried to up the run rate even more. And that's what fell to his demise. But still, I think, you know, you can't really blame Salt. His first innings um, in tournaments, first innings in a while, because obviously he's been with England. Uh, in this tournament, so he hasn't played. He hasn't. He hasn't. He hasn't played actually for a couple, one or two months now. So um, around a, one month. But I think you, you can't blame him because you know, he tried his best, and he just he, he's just you know lacking time in the middle. Um, also because it was, he didn't bat in the semi final because you know brilliance from Butler and Hales at the top. But yeah, it was it was a good option. But uh, it, I think. You know, looking to the future again, I think you know he he needs to. I guess this is the thing with a lot of young English batsmen: don't get too carried away, because I think a lot of the young batsmen in England they play some nice shots, they're looking good, and they want to keep going, and that's what gets them out. So I think that's the only thing I really say. Think think that Phil Salt needs to sort of look at. But apart from that, I think he's looking pretty good. Yeah, I I think that. Um, obviously, in the end, it didn't really, you know, wasn't really significant. But uh, obviously, I, I like Phil Salt as batsman. I wanted him to do better. 
Um, I think, you know, because of Hales's, like, you know, emergence after Roy's injury and stuff, Salt was looking like he would open, and then Hales came. Hales is in form and is scoring runs. So, um, you know, Hales is looking like the England opening alongside Butler for the future, for the foreseeable future. But obviously, uh, Salt has more time on his hands. And, you know, if Hales is out of form, there we have a ready-made replacement um, who is very good playing against pace and which is very useful at the start of a T20. Uh, but yes, and then, you know, I think Pakistan, uh, England would, you know, because of the amount of runs they scored in the power play, and then they just sort of kept it up, scoring eight, eight-ish and over for the for the first 10. Uh, and then the, the tide only really turned to uh, um, in Pakistan's favour after over 10, really. Between over 10 and 15 is where they really took control. For me, I think the 12th over where, you know, uh, Nassim Shah was bowling to Ben Stokes. It was, a, as in a, a, you know, really world-class over. You know, Nassim Shah, you're constantly beating the outside edge. Every ball seemed like there could be a, a, an edge to the keeper. And uh, there was a lot of appeals by Pakistan fans, actually. Uh, and it, it was just complete, you know, that was where England needed only a runner ball. And that over, I think, you know, Stokes only scored a couple. And it was a load of pressure because every single ball was just flying outside his outside edge. And and that was a it was a significant uh, over in the game. Uh, any other significant moments to say? Do you think that either twisted the favor back to England or uh, kept the um, favor uh, kept the momentum in Pakistan's favor? Well, yeah, as you mentioned, you know, that that over number twelve, you know, really big over. I think it was only really after over, it was it was only really after the halfway stage that Pakistan started to find really started to understand where they needed to bowl. And they bowled brilliant lines and lengths, um, you know, in that little period, 10 to 15. But I guess, you know, a key, another key moment would be, um, when Shaheen Shahafridi, you know, he bowled, he came back after, um, he, he got injured after taking that catch. He came back and you know, he came on to bowl, but he, he bowled one ball and he, he just couldn't do it. So obviously, you know, you have to, you have to, um, you know, it was his career on the line. You can't really, um, you, you can't really just bowl him and get him injured, and then you make it could have been a permanent damage. So he went off, and then it was Iftikhar that came came on to bowl, and then I think that was a key change in the match. I think that was a key moment that sort of the turning point that you know put everything back into England's favour. So you know, it, it, I think it was I think it was Ali, um, actually actually Ali and Stokes, um that you know, hit for you know a flurry of boundaries and sixes and you know that really changed the momentum back into um England's favor but the thing is i mean a, a problem for pakistan is that i don't think they really have that sixth or seventh or that sixth or seventh bowling option because they it's been a c- couple of times um during the tournament where even even before where um, they they've been in a situation where they need someone else to bowl and they don't have anyone to bowl. Um, sometimes it's Nawaz, but he hasn't really had a good record near the end of an innings. And then it was today it was if if the car who again couldn't really find the perfect line in length. Would would you say that could be a problem? Would you agree that um, it could be a problem? I think you know Pakistan they could look to um, get sort of a like proper not not just a proper bowler but maybe so an actual sixth or seventh option because at the moment it's Nawaz and Iftikhar that's not really working if you need it at the death 
Yeah, but the real I think I think this is too acute of an issue for them to, to solve because look, you're not most likely you don't bowl a spinner at the death. You know, some teams some teams try to, but it's unlikely you're gonna bowl a spinner at the death. And they only had to today because of, of an injury. And if you look at England, for example, they have their four main bowlers, plus obviously they have Stokes who bats and bowls pace. So then that that's an option. So you have so they'd have in today's in today's lineup they had Adil Rashid, Chris Jordan, Sam Curran, Chris Wokes as four, let's say four frontline bowlers, plus Stokes, Livingston, and Ali if you needed it. But the thing is, is that you don't have to. You, they, Pakistan have enough bowlers, I think, and you can't get any more than this because then you just you're going to start compromising your batting ability. And the fact they have four really good pace bowlers means they don't need a pace bowling all rounder. They need a spinning all rounder. They do. They have obviously Muhammad Nawaz and Ifka Ahmed. I think it's just isolated incidents they've been bad in. I think that, you know, long term that they're, they're fine. But I, I just think that the fact that they had to bowl the last over, and the only reason they had to bowl the last over is because Shaheen Shafridi would have bowled the last the last overs in in the death. So um it's just an isolated incident for me. I think that's I think that's fair. But um, you're right. It was it was it was significant because after that, the the net the um the required run rate went down to like three or four, and then England just you know took quick singles, um and just just continued uh, just plotted to win. But I think for me, what's most interesting now is that obviously I, I mentioned we are the uh, England is the World um, ODI World Cup championship uh, ODI champions and the T20I champions. What's next for me? I, I think. Immediately, you know, Test Championship comes to mind. Do, do you think that we have enough? Do you think we have enough quality in the Test arena to 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 win the Test champion uh, Test Championship? And the I think the next the cycle is from twenty twenty two to twenty twenty four. So over the next year or two. Yeah, it's a really interesting topic to talk about. I think at the moment, with everything you know, the new stuff with Basball, new captain with Ben Stokes. Um, they, they, they've had some changes in their batting lineup. You know, lots of stuff has changed. I think at the moment, it will take some time to get used to or to adapt to the changes that's, that's happened in the setup. Um, but having said that, I still think the way it started, the way basketball has started, it's been very promising. I mean, they had a great series against New Zealand. Um, I think they had a great game. I think the fifth match after the COVID incident. So the fifth match against India, uh, you know, they played well in that, I think, as well. Um, so it's a bright start to this new sort of way of cricket for England. Um, but, you know, at the moment, I wouldn't say that they... At the moment, I wouldn't say they, they look like they're going to win um, or even reach the final just yet. But, you know, the way the way things are going, I think, you know, as you, I think it's, you know, 2024... The cycle ends, so you know, they've got plenty of time to adapt to this new, these new changes and improve. So I think, um, you know, looking into twenty twenty four, I think you know they definitely look like they're on the way up. So I think they're definitely going to be uh, putting out some really strong performances. And I think you know, looking into twenty twenty three, twenty twenty four, they're really going to be um, pushing to make that final and you know, compete against the best in the world: New Zealand, India. Australia, these big teams. So I think at the moment they're not looking like the strongest team, but you know the way it's going, I think in in one or two years they're going to be looking really strong. Yeah, I don't. I'm, I actually think they are looking like 
you know, on the circuit, you know, considering their performances, um, yeah, considering how they played, I think they are looking good because you know, since they they haven't really, you know, they lost they lost one test match, at one out of seven, and it, they rebounded from that, and they show that they can adapt in any um situations, whether it's chasing, whether it's setting totals, whether it's um, bowling, batting. For me, though, is do you think there's a question on? you know, whether they can perform outside of England because most of their tests have been inside of England. Like, for example, they've got a, a test series against Pakistan starting in December, and that's in Pakistan, uh, the first since uh, in Pakistan since 2005 against England. So um, do you think that, you know, there, there's a question on whether England can play in places like the subcontinent, for example? Yeah, that's the thing, really. I mean, with every, with the new way of cricket for England, it's, they've only actually tried it in England at the moment. So it'll be really interesting to see um, how they do playing overseas. You know, as you said, I think they're playing Pakistan soon. Um, I think then they might have New Zealand after that, something like that. But anyway, they, they it will be really important these next few series when they play outside of England because I think we'll only really get the best picture of if they're looking like they they could win the Test Championship after you know we see their performances. Um, outside of England, um, but yeah, it will be pretty important um, to their, their performances playing outside of England because I think they, they have changed quite a lot in their team, and obviously that means that you know there will ha- they do have some inexperience, and that means those players will not have played many matches outside of England, you know, in the subcontinent, for example. So they will have to get used to this, to um, overseas conditions. And that will obviously not happen immediately. So that, that's why I would say that, yes, they are looking pretty good, but they still have a long way to go if they're going to win the Test Championship. So it'll be quite interesting to see how they do overseas in Pakistan up, uh, in, in the upcoming series. Yeah. How about like this current squad for the um, for the, uh, for the uh, T20 World Cup? How, who do you think, apart from obviously Captain Ben Stokes, who's the captain of the Test team, uh, is there anyone else you see who could be potentially playing a part in in English Test cricket in the next um, uh, in the next you know, couple of years potentially? You know, uh, someone like is Harry Brook, Liam Livingston, maybe Sam Curran. He's been around the Test squad, but you know hasn't been playing too much recently. Do you think these these type of guys could be involved, and do you think they could have key roles, or do you think that the squad is sort of starting to become? You know, set. Obviously, we know that Alex Lees was dropped, so there's an opening spot available. But is it, apart from that, do you think it's the squad is starting to get set in the Test Championship? Uh, sorry, in the Test um, England England's Test squad. Do you think it's starting to get set? And do you think that there isn't any spots available? Yeah, I think it is starting to get set because if, if I just look through, for, let's say the today's T Twenty team, Josh Butler. He's, I doubt really he's really going to play. I think he's sort of more, more obviously he's captain of the one day side. So he's probably going to be looking more focused on the white ball format. Alex Hills has only just come back, so probably not. Then some, obviously Ben Stokes still in. Um, Harry Brook, he possibly could be looking to make a statement into the test team. I think he, he had a great season in the county championship. That's obviously why he's here. Um, the county championship vitality blast. So he could be looking for a place in the team, but, at the moment, I don't see where he could slot in because obviously there is an opening spot, but I'm not sure who's going to take that. And then you've got someone like Pope at three, Route four, Bairstow five, Stoke six. So it will be difficult to get Brook in. 
And then other than that, I don't really see anyone else because, you know, Ali's obviously retired from test cricket. Livingston, I think he's too, I think he's more of a white ball player. Um, then someone like Sam Curran, that's also a possibility. Um, but again, I think he's more suited to the white ball format. He has played some test cricket and he hasn't done badly. He's done pretty decently, but I think uh, he's probably again more suited to the white ball format, as you mentioned with his bowling, you know, slow balls, cutters, his variations, change of pace, all that, you know, looking really good. Chris Wokes, you know, he, he's definitely looking for a statement back into the test team. He definitely wants to be playing. Um, so he's again, I think another contender, contender, but overall, I think it's starting to get set. It will take a, you know, a few weeks, few, few series to be able to understand who, who's going to be that final squad. Um, that's going to be fixed. So I think there are, you know, some possibilities. There is obviously that opening spot available, but other than that, I think it'd be difficult to fit in someone like Harry Brook, for example, but you know, they're definitely contenders that could be looking to get in. Yeah, especially with Harry Brooks' form in, in the county championship, he's averaging like nearly a hundred, I think. And if he can keep up, you know, for the next season as well, there's when when a player is out of form, we have ready made replacements. But yeah, last sort of thing. Obviously, twenty twenty three is the host to the ODI World Cup in India. So obviously, England defending champions. You know, we've seen Ben Stokes. You know, he we didn't we didn't actually talk about him much on this episode, but he did score fifty. Um, in the final, and it was a 52 off 45, and he was part, him and Moni Ali were, were the two people who, you know, sort of turned the momentum into England's favour uh, once Shaheen Shah Afridi had, you know, gone off and Iftikhar Ahmed had come on to bowl, uh, and they, they'd really pushed it to England's favour. You know, we, that Ben Stokes has retired from ODI cricket, you know, and the fact that, you know, he's been, you know, the key for us winning the ODI World Cup, key for us winning this World T20 World Cup, so for the few, for the next ODI World Cup in 2023, do you, do you think we? How badly do you think you know we're gonna miss him as a team? You know how badly do you think his his quality and his you know finishing abilities is, are gonna be missed? Yeah, it would definitely he, he's gonna be missed a lot. I think it's really difficult to find anyone who could be a like for like replacement of Ben Stokes. I mean, I think I just an interesting, interesting stat I want to point out or in fact, uh, I think um, I think they mentioned it just after uh, Ben Stokes was 50 today. I think that's his first ever 50 in T20 cricket. And considering that, and he's been such a vital part of the England setup for a long, long time, uh, a huge asset, you know, that must, he, he's, he's done brilliantly, you know. He hasn't scored any 50s in T20 cricket, obviously he has in Test cricket and um, ODI cricket. But, you know, he hasn't scored that many runs in T20 cricket. And yet he's still just a huge part of, huge part of cricket in general in England. So he will be missed a lot um, in the World Cup. And, you know, obviously England have time to find someone who could um, replace him. But, you know, overall, I think it was it was, it was quite sad when, we were, when I found out that uh, Ben Stokes was retiring. But, yeah, um, he will be missed and um, it, it, will be, it won't be easy to find a replacement for him. Yeah, I think that's fair. But yeah, I think that that's it for this episode. We've looked at uh, the performance uh, th- uh, of both teams, England, Pakistan, in the T20 World Cup final. England are the champions, and they have done incredibly well this World Cup. And you know, after being favourites last World Cup, um, and but being knocked out in the semi-finals, they've really redeemed themselves. 
and and they have done really well. And we've looked a bit at you know the future now. You know what's the next World Cup and looked at the Test Championship as well. And hopefully, if we can win the Test Championship or or even another World Cup, we can really cement ourselves as a, one of the best team currently. You know, we might be in a, we seem to be in a, a sort of a new era in white ball cricket. If we can translate that across to Test cricket with some like a, some solid silverware that you know potentially Ashes win uh, at home this uh, next year. That all these things would be, you know, really show how how good England is in cricket uh, as of recently. So yeah, that's at the end of the episode. Thank you, Zaid, and see you on the next one. <laughs>